0: Hello, Jordan. What's going on, Michael? How are you? We're just working through some technical difficulties here at the How to Become a Personal Trainer podcast, but I think we have them rectified. Yeah, something's wrong with our HQ's Wi-Fi. But uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, HQs
0: having are <laughs> having some issues at the HQ, but we're we're here. We're we're going. How you doing? I'm feeling good. And just
1: so for everyone knows, we don't have an HQ at all. We're doing this remotely. There's no HQ. No HQ. (laughs) Skype Skype isn't working, so we're doing a FaceTime call and each recording our audio on our own computers, and then somehow our audio engineer David is going to sync them together to make it sound hopefully perfect.
0: Hopefully, David's a pro, so I think it's going to. We also don't have a backup. We're not recording on Skype, so. This is like uh, what's a, you're good with analogies. What's a good fitness analogy? You're just putting me on the spot.
1: This is like this is like going out for your max effort deadlift without any warm ups, right? I mean, yeah. there's possibility for big return, but also the chance you could really of snap something. Oh, you could at uh, you know you could really snap Vertebrae your go in
0: different directions. Like it could be really yeah. ugly.
1: Yeah, so that might not have been the best analogy, but <laughs> it's sort of like you know what a better analogy would be? It would be like going to the gym. Without first checking your gym bag to see if you have everything you need, right? It's like you could get to the gym and maybe it's all in there and you go in and you've got your extra pair of underwear. God forbid you need those. You've got your shaker bottle. You've got your protein powder for post-workout. You've got your check-in card for the gym or maybe you forgot it and like or you missed out on a lot of stuff and then you'd have to go
0: all the way back home in order to get the stuff again, you know, so maybe that's a better analogy. That's a good analogy. I I would much rather drive back to the gym than do an hour podcast that didn't get recorded, but it's close. You know, it's funny. I would
1: rather do an hour podcast that didn't get recorded again with you because that means I could talk to you for another hour.
0: I just look at this as- as Okay, Dale. (laughs) (laughs) Dale E. I think that's an I versus an E thing too. Like an hour of real focused interaction is very different from an energy perspective for you versus me. Yeah. Like after after this, you're going to do six more podcasts and I'm going to go lie down. After this, I'm going to
1: feel really good. And then after this, you're going to be like, all right, I need a 24 hour break. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not actually to that extreme, but but the theme is correct. Yeah. 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 How's everything else going? How's your workout today? Elite. Yeah. Yeah, it was the best I've felt in like, a you know, workout in probably three months. That's awesome. Um, got a little beach time in with the family and then came here. So I'm I'm feeling good. Did a couple hours of work this morning before the gym. It's been a, a good balanced day on my end. Saturated with vitamin D. You're ready to go? A lot of vitamin D. I went to a dermatologist for the first time in my life. I told you this, but I you know i got a cu- couple of sunspots and i've been wearing sunscreen but maybe not as religiously as i i could or should every single second uh like taking the trash out or something like that um but all clear he just said keep putting on 30 every single day wow okay well good we should uh we should talk more about dermatology i'm a big fan of dermatology <laughs> i'm a complete rookie i just wanted to make sure i you know wasn't going to get melanoma at 33 yeah, no, that's smart. I've, I've had a lot of uh,
1: birthmarks and freckles and moles ever since I was a kid. So remember, I, I went. I think my mom made me go, when I was like eight or nine. And they're like, "Oh, this one could be cancerous." And I was like, "I'm gonna die." <laughs>
0: <laughs> Seriously?
1: Like, yeah, they're like this one could be cancerous. I think they just it, like one of those offhanded things someone says without realizing what someone might think of it. So as yeah, an eight-year-old the, kid, was I was an like, year old in the room that yeah." Yeah. And I think it was just something that it just slipped out and uh and I was I was freaking out. And then they took it off and, and it was totally fine. And I've never Did had you have
0: to wait to get the test result back?
1: Yeah, I had to wait like two weeks. I was young. Like now it's like an, I think almost eight, instant. An
0: eight year old Jordan <laughs> Ross site was waiting two weeks in complete fear and agony that you could have cancer. To get the result? Yeah. Well, I freaked
1: out in the office and they were like, well, no, no. Like they could tell that I was like, wait, hold on. You're telling me you have got cancer. And they're like, no, no, no. Like they, we have to check to see. It's probably totally fine, but it's just important for us to check. Da, 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 da. I was still pretty worried about it when I was, like, when I was younger. I still, you know, but I, now I go twice a year, once every six months. And man, I know I've told you this, but they, they do like full body scans. Like they
0: check every centimeter of my body. Like it's crazy. It's That's cra- interesting. Like, yeah. I only I must have only got the 97% s- skin check, which I'm okay <laughs> with. <laughs> yeah, I think once you
1: cuz I get I I think I probably get something removed like 50% of the time that I go. Like there's like, there's something that is like, all right, you know, it's probably fine, but we should probably just take this off just to check and they check it and there's never really an issue. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, there's always new freckles coming out. I never expected to be talking about this on our podcast, but
0: hey. <laughs> it's genuine. <laughs> it's true. So you've been going one to two times a year since you were eight. Oh yeah. Yeah. My whole life. I did not know that. I thought it was maybe like the last few year things. I didn't know the origin story of that. Well, I should say the time I was with
1: Gary, those three years, I didn't go to any doctors or anything. Like I just... (laughs) Or open any mail. (laughs) I didn't open... Oh, that's a different story for a different day. Didn't open any mail. Didn't go to any doctors as just three years where I was completely and utterly off the grid.
0: <laughs> well, off one grid and on another grid. Yeah. 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 That's true. Should I tell a story about the male? I find it hilarious. If you have any reason that you wouldn't want to, but I think people will enjoy it. All right. I'll tell the story. So
1: <laughs> anyone who knows me is going to be like, yeah, that's definitely Jordan. Um, I, first and foremost, and I've said this story a million times, when you work with Gary, like you're constantly on the go, you're traveling, you're flying, you're, you're in airports, you're in hotels, like you spend very little time in your own apartment. Um, So that has to be the, the context going into this. I wasn't just chilling at my apartment and not opening mail. I was traveling all over the world constantly for three years straight, but. And yeah, I'm not really the most organized guy. And I'm also a a very nonchalant, like, guy as well, pretty relaxed with everything. So anytime I would get mail coming in, I would just like, I would get mail and I would put it in a big black trash bag. And in my mind, when I started doing this, I was like, yeah, when I get back from my next trip, I'll just read it. I'll open it all up, but it slowly (laughs) started to pile up to be a tremendous amount of mail so that eventually it was like, there's no way I'm going to go through all of this mail. Number one and number two is just like, all right, well, I guess this is just where I'll keep putting all of my unread mail.
0: And so I I, I would, I would interject and add that you like are very, very busy and on the go at this time, but you also like you would do work from your apartment or from a coffee shop or a cafe or diner like it was it was that plus ultra focus on oh yeah like like think of all the people in the world who would benefit from posting three times a day on Instagram every single day but but don't for whatever reason but they open their mail every single day. So it's like, uh, it's a, it's a weird inverse. Listen, you're either dedicated to building your business or you're going to open your mail. It's one of the
1: other. You can't can't do both. (laughs) But so I was so singularly focused just on, on my own business and building my business. That was this, all I focused on. And also I think there's something like there has to be something related to Gary here too. Cause I watched Gary and Gary is the best delegator in the world. He has someone do anything. Gary doesn't want to do someone else does for him. And he's the best at this. And like there, there is nothing that Gary does himself that he could delegate elsewhere. He, he does what he loves and what he's best at, which is speaking to people, making content. Like he, that's what he's really, really good at. And that's where he thrives. And that's what he structures his schedule around. But any logistics, he doesn't do. Any like driving, he he delegates that out. Any cooking, he delegates that out. Like everything is delegated out. His assistant has an assistant has an assistant, right? It's like everything is delegated. So I remember watching Gary and being like, oh, you know, I should do that. Bet on that's, your strengths. Pure offense. Yep. A hundred percent. And, and it actually, you know, it's worked out in many ways. You know, it got, I work with Kat, my assistant. She's incredible. Uh, and, and I started to try and delegate. But then I saw, well, I was like, Gary doesn't open his mail. Like, he definitely doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you know what, whatever. I don't need to open it. So I just kept putting it into this black trash bag. And uh, then at, shortly after that, I started dating my girlfriend. And that was long distance for a long, long time. And every time she would come up to visit uh, from, from, wherever she was, where she was living previously when in my attempt to clean the apartment and I had this big black trash bag full of mail, I would shove that in the closet. Whereas any good cleaner does, you don't actually clean, you just (laughs) hide it out of sight. So I hid this massive black trash bag out of sight. And there was one time when she was visiting, she was like putting a coat away or something in the closet. And she was like, what is this? And she, and she pulls out this massive tra- black trash bag. And she's like, what, what is this? I was like, Oh God, this isn't going to be a good conversation. And it was, it was, I explained it was all my mail. What and was, what were you embarrassed? Oh yeah. I was mortified. I mean, no one is excited to be like, yeah, this is about two and a half years worth of mail. <laughs> and, uh, the craziest part is I went filming. I was working with Anthony at the time. Anthony was my videographer, and Anthony was coming over, and we were going to go film a YouTube video. And my girlfriend, now fiance, she goes, "All right, well, you go film. I'll go through your mail." And she literally spent the next like eight hours going through all of my mail, opening it, sorting it for me. And I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe like you on your trip up to spend time with me. This is what you did." And she was like. I need it she was like I needed to do this for my own mental clarity like I couldn't imagine <laughs> you having a massive
0: bag full of mail so that's the mail story do You I would I would forgive you of like 40% of whatever guilt you might have felt there because I think that you assume opening mail well obviously you assume opening mail is like a like a brutal thing that you wouldn't want to do but the thought of like opening mail and sorting it Sounds somewhat satisfying and like enjoyable <laughs> to me. <laughs> oh
1: man. Yeah. There's zero. It's fun. She knows me so well though. She, if it's mail, if it's like a letter, I hate it. I, I don't want to open it at all. If it's Why? a pa- I don't know. I just like, there's no, it's not interesting to me, but if it's a package, I get excited. Like if there's a package, she knows, she's like, oh, he's going to be really excited about this for, cause I think it's sort of like a gift, right? Like yeah. for Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever, like it comes in a package and it's always fun opening that up. If it's a mail or a letter, like, no, I'm not going to open it. I just won't. But the
0: package I'll get excited about. <laughs> Were there any negative repercussions just in case anyone's thinking about going with the the three years of Instagram, zero mail life strategy? Actually. Yes. I've actually, I don't think I've even told you, maybe I told you this story, um,
1: so <laughs> it's a really long story. I'm going to save like the the excruciating details. But um, one of my, I, I got student loans for college. And one of my student loans wasn't coming out of my account like it was supposed to. And it was, uh, they kept sending me notifications via mail saying like, this student loan isn't being paid. This student loan isn't being paid. And so you thought it
0: was like monthly billing you or quarterly. I I thought it was
1: automatic every month taken out of my account. And, uh, and that, that actually wrecked my credit. It, Mm. It wrecked my credit because that one just wasn't getting paid over and over and over and over again. So now it's, it's good. Credits fixed. Got back on that. Thank God. But, uh, yeah, it definitely <laughs> check your mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was not one of my. Anytime people ask me organization questions, I was like, definitely the wrong person to ask. It's people are always like, do you organize your content? Do you know what you're gonna? I don't organize anything. It's it's one of the reasons why writing my like my goals down for the day every day helps a lot. That's like sort of my organization, but that's the extent. of Everything else is just all right, what's going through my head now? All right, let's do this. Let's do that. And that's just how I function.
0: What a great story. (laughs) Uh, I'm, I'm sure most people listening here have, have checked in on your Instagram, but we haven't done an episode since your competition. Do you want to hit on that briefly? Yeah, sure. Um, so or or in depth, I just
1: wasn't trying to push on the spot. We don't need to go in depth on it. Um, Actually, I did a whole podcast on my own just for – on my first jiu-jitsu competition if anyone's, like, interested in that. Um, But for the most recent one, I won my first match. I was happy with it. He was actually – he was really good. He was was way better than I expected. So I won that match. The second match, I lost to um, the guy who got third at my first competition. So he was super good, took him down, scored two points really fast – just made, I made a stupid mistake. I made a stupid mistake. He capitalized on it. And then to make a, a short story more short, he choked me out almost immediately, just yeah. hopped on top, choked me out and it was over. And that was it.
0: Yeah. So well, that was it. Nice, nice, nice first win, more experience. Like it's only your second competition. Oh was yeah. doing it facing more opponents. Were you, like was the, the vibe in the bullpen or or even like your energy in the twenty four hours leading up to the competition different from the first one or or pretty much the same? I was way less nervous this time. I was
1: way less nervous. I was in a much better mindset. I think part of that is because I had done a competition before. Also, my weight was on point, right? So, for the first competition, I was cutting weight. This competition, I'm just maintaining my weight. It was Mm -hmm. a massive benefit this time. Uh, You
0: didn't have that stressor of like mental and physical.
1: Yeah, there was – I didn't cut any water. I I was eating the morning of, it was totally fine. So I was, that was great. And I was competing the same weight class. So um, I've gotten a lot of people ask me to make content around my nutrition for both the weight cut, but also the maintenance. Cause I know you and I spoke about it after the first competition. You're like, what are we going to do in terms of with your weight? Are you going to reverse out of this? What are you going to do? So yeah, that could be fun to talk about, but (laughs) just for everyone who doesn't know, Mike just asked about like the bullpen. If you don't don't know anything about jujitsu, this part is – it's almost comical how this works. When you're competing in jujitsu, they take everyone in your weight division that's going to be competing, and before you go out to compete, they put you all – they weigh you in, and then about 10 to 15 minutes before you all compete, you're in a – you're corralled in a gated area together. That's all of like 10 to 15 feet. And so you are just, in a in a small gated area with the people you're about to fight. And, uh, it, it's super intense and, you know, you're trying not to make eye contact, but it's super hard. And then you're like, well, should I say like, good luck, but I don't want to look weak. Like it's everything's
0: going in your head, but it's funny. A lot of testosterone and ego probably pumping through those bullpens. Oh Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's
1: actually really funny cause they make, there's a lot of jujitsu memes with like what kids, cause there are kids who compete in jujitsu, six, seven, eight year old kids. And when you look at kids in their bullpen before the competition, they're joking around. They're like having cartwheel contests, seeing who can do a better cartwheel. They're just hugging each other. And if you look at the adult bullpen, they're just silent, like red in the face, trying to be stone cold. It's, it's very interesting cause kids. That's funny. I don't even think they really understand it. And they're just there to have a good time. Whereas adults, they take it so much more seriously. So it was good. It was a good learning experience. Back at it. Took one day off. Got right back into the, into uh, practice. And um, yeah, that's it. And then I'm coming down to Florida on Friday to hang out with you and, and
0: write our book. Oh, it's not a secret mission? It's just... Oh, no. This it's is... out. It's out of the bag. We're finishing this thing, putting the final touches on in this in this last week. I think a week should give us enough time it's 8 to 10 hour days yeah i'm pumped i'm 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 extremely excited we're looking at a january 2022 launch and uh yeah man it's going to be great we were planning on a january 2021 but
1: with everything going on this year, it didn't make sense. It it didn't make sense for, for us or for the market. We think it just, it didn't make sense. And, uh, we definitely took advantage of that. Like, all right, we'll push it back. Like we, we stopped writing it for the last few months. We stopped really working on it. So, uh, so now we're very excited to get back into it and prepare for a strong January, 2022 launch. Yeah.
0: I mean, from our end, you're absolutely right. Also just foot traffic in bookstores. And obviously in in this day and age, foot tra- like cold foot traffic through a bookstore isn't what like really helps a book, right? right. It's it's what our audiences their response to it. But every little bit helps, and oh, absolutely, and as, as, as many hands as we can get it, and as many people as we can help with it, we're we're excited to. And for like you know airports, Barnes and Nobles, like wherever to have such little traffic this january compared to what we hope will be more next january um it's kind of a no-brainer yeah yeah so that's it that's it should we get into things i'm ready let's do it all right first one's not a question just uh just an impromptu and it's not going to work as well because we're on facetime on our phones and we need to look at our phones but you're trying to surprise me with this no i'm not surprising you it's no surprise (laughs) I mean, the whole podcast is a surprise for you, but <laughs> <laughs> is it screen time? Yeah, let's do a little screen time update. Just, just a real quick. I'm curious. All right, like a, a daily,
1: a, a daily average screen time,
0: or just even, even what you can do is you can look at. We can go back to the week if you click on it, and then you click on week. Okay. And then you, if you scroll along, like left to right, scroll across the oh, nice. bar, like yeah so we can i can go back to what we originally did where i was like seven hours and 41 minutes a day on average okay yep and then and then the next week I, so i've been down week over week and this has been a point for me because a lot of my cell phone time has not been productive and has not been ma- benefiting me in any way whatsoever and that's mm-hmm. the the portion of it i've been trying to eliminate so I went from 741 down to 718 down to 526 down to 446. What? Yeah.
1: Wow. and the first time we did it, I think you're at like eight hours and 11 or eight hours and
0: 10 minutes, right? Oh so that was even the week that yeah that was that was the week that I can't even see because it's only letting me scroll back three. Jeez, and you've been deliberately trying to reduce it if right? I if I note if I just catch myself doing something, stupid or like not beneficial Mm -hmm. or, or even just not intentional. It's like, wait, what am I doing? Okay. This is just boredom. I don't want to be scrolling here. What should I do with my life right now? And oftentimes I I then like end up on the golf course or (laughs) something else, but yeah. Man. All right. So the first one, I I went from eight hours
1: and six minutes to the next week was eight hours and four minutes. So it was a solid two minute improvement. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, but you're not, you're not actively trying to improve this and the consistency is actually interesting. Then the next week was six hours and 46
1: minutes. Wow. Interesting, right? Then the next week was seven hours and 12 minutes. And that's this, yeah, that's this current week. So, and it looks like that's down 20%. Cool. So I'm not trying to at all. And for whatever it's worth, I I would imagine that a lot of that has to do with the day before and the day of my jujitsu competition significantly less on social media because Mm -hmm. I'm just, I I get off and not completely, but I'm nowhere near as active on it. I'm not looking at messages. I'm definitely not posting on, on it. So I would imagine that that has a big impact. And if we do this again next week, I would bet that it'll probably be right back up, back up (laughs) just yeah, just to be honest
0: about that. But yeah, it's interesting. All right. Question one. This is a good one. Video production advice for someone who can't afford to pay a Rico yet. Mm. You want you you can start, or I can start on this one. You start with that. Um, so I have I have done many 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 videos on my own, and I have done videos with multiple videographers, and um, I would say that. The uh, the time you save from outsourcing, and that's a conversation in itself we could have, but the time you save from outsourcing can be beneficial to use to do other things, and, and that might make sense. But for this person who can't afford to pay uh, a videographer yet, um, th- the advice that I would give is, one, understand that there's a steep learning curve to the process and, and that includes simple things that you wouldn't consider, such as transferring footage from your phone to your computer or from your camera to your computer. Um, that would include, you know, like just learning how to quote unquote edit in a software, whether it's iMovie or Adobe or any, any free software, anything, but just learning. And when I say edit, I mostly mean like, like cut, like basically clip. Because you're not doing fancy edits on your own all you're really doing is one volume control and two um like editing out whatever parts you want out Mm -hmm. um it it takes much much longer initially number one than you expect and number two it takes you much much longer than it's going to take you two weeks from now four weeks from now eight weeks from now if you continue to do it so there's a steep learning curve don't get frustrated early on but like get excited about it. I mean, there's actually, uh, there's like a lot of mental benefit to the learning process and like doing something new. Um, and yeah, just go in with that expectation that it's going to take you longer than you think. Um, and then the last thing I would say is really just understand that so much of the value that someone's going to get from watching the video isn't from something that a professional videographer adds like when, when after my summer with Ben and then when Ben had to go back, he was done with his internship. He had to go back to, to England and, uh, and I was on my own and I was like frustrated because I felt like video quality was down. The number of DMs and emails and even comments on videos I would get, because my output was slowing down, that was like, we don't care what the videos look like. Like, we just want to see you, we want to hear from you. Like, mm. it doesn't matter if it's edited or if there's cool edits or anything. So understand that what people want isn't like, they don't need to be watching a movie. They they really just want consistent content. Yeah, that that's exactly right. That's the biggest thing is, good content is good content.
1: Doesn't matter how long it is. Doesn't matter how well edited it is, which by the way, that's the weirdest thing to say in English. Edited it, edited it. doesn't matter how well edited it is. Um, good content's good content. I'll say I've had a number of videographers as well. And I'll also say, um, Rico and I recently stopped working together full time. Uh, Rico is, is an incredible young man and who's, who's, I admire him and respect him greatly. Uh, And we recently decided to stop working together full time, largely because of everything that's going on in the world. Uh, Just because of all that, we weren't getting together on a weekly or sometimes even on a monthly basis. And it just didn't make sense anymore. And um, it's funny because while we were working together, while everything was, while all this was going on, we worked together for almost two years over the last six, seven months or so. I was not motivated to do anything on YouTube uh, at all. And I think a lot of it is because I knew that in order to create a YouTube video with a videographer, with Rico, it was going to take a lot. Rico would have to, we'd have to find time to get together. We'd have to plan it together. There'd be a lot of shooting. It's like, if you think recording a video is difficult on your own, Imagine trying to record it in front of a videographer that makes it actually exponentially more difficult because now you have a real live human watching you perform. They see all of the outtakes, they see all of the mess ups and in your, it's very easy to get in your own head. So it's interesting because as soon as we stopped working together full time, I got this weird motivation This fire to start making YouTube again. I just published my first YouTube video in a while yesterday. Uh, It's doing super well. I edited that video. I shot it myself. Edited it myself. It was all on my phone. I edited two clips for Instagram that I made myself. Uh, And this is where I'll get into some advice on what might be helpful for you. Um, But I and Mike was actually about to go into this. He like the uh, the benefit of doing it yourself the number of messages that I got saying how much they loved these clips because of the editing was very interesting to me because no one knows there, no one knew that Rico and I weren't working together anymore. Mm. And I think one of the reasons that the editing was so good, even though it was literally just jump cuts, that's all the editing was, there was no music involved. There was no crazy special effects. It was literally just jump cuts is because no one, no one knows my content better than me. And no one knows my audience better than me. No one doesn't matter how amazing a videographer you get. It's just impossible for them to understand you, your content, or your audience better than you. You will always know them best because you're in the DMs, you're in the messages, you're the one working with those clients. You know their thoughts, their feelings, their insecurities, their emotions. So you know what they need to hear and when and how. So because of that, I think those clips stood out because I was the one editing them. I was making sure I was figuring out what clips go where, at what time, what cadence, all of that, and all it was literally just I took the rock clip and I just made cuts and that was it and I was very I was meticulous with it and I enjoyed it it was a lot of fun um, now what I will say is I think audio is very important the the audio quality is actually very important especially on something like a podcast but also on YouTube mm-hmm. so I recently bought a, a microphone for my cell phone it it just plugs into my cell phone and then I attach it it's called the Saramonic Blink whoa, whoa, 500 whoa, whoa, whoa. What? No,
0: free, no, no free brand deals.
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. What, what's the name of it? It's, I'm not getting, we're not getting any money for this. This is just, <laughs> I'm very happy with it. It's called the Saramonic Blink 500. Uh, I got it from Best Buy and for whatever it's worth, the first time they delivered it, the package is all messed up. It didn't include something that it needed. So they, they sent me another one for free. They didn't even take the other one back. So it's called the Saramonic Blink 500. You plug it into your cell phone and then you record and that's it. And the audio has been great. It's been super easy. Um, so I would say that. And then the other thing I would say is uh, you might want to get like a ring light and or a, a tripod stand for your fo- for your cell phone. Or, and oftentimes they come together. So I'd got like a $26 ring light and tripod stand. So I have the microphone, the Saramonic Blink 500. I have a ring light that I got on Amazon for like 26 bucks. And um, then I upload it to iMovie and that's it. And from that, I made an entire YouTube video and two Instagram clips from that one video. So I mean, it's you get you can get a lot of content out of it. The amount of content will you'll make content more slowly because it's you're not just filming it and then sending it to someone else to edit. You have to do all of it. But I
0: think the quality of it can radically increase because you're the one doing it. And and what you mean on there is like if you're making a clip, for example, you know the exact content to include in the clip to make a a compelling 45 or 60 second piece. Correct. know what to pull from a longer form video to make this. Yeah, that that makes complete sense. If you've ever
1: worked with a videographer, you'll know exactly what I'm about to talk about. And if you've never worked with them, then you, you won't understand, but I'll try and paint a picture. If you're trying to get a really strong 45, 50, 60 second clip for Instagram from a 10, 15, 20 minute YouTube video, it's pretty difficult. It's not like, oh, well, I'll just snip this one clip and throw it up there. It's like, no, you have to edit it down. And when you might tell your videographer, okay, I want a 60-second clip from this section explaining this then they'll send you their first idea of what that might look like. It's going to take a while for them to edit it down, export it, send it to you. Then you're going to look at it. You're going to have to figure out what you like, what you don't like. Try and explain it back to them briefly and concisely so that they also understand it. Then they're going to have to take the time to go back, edit it, do all that stuff, send it back to you. It's a big back and forth, right? It's a big, big back and forth. Whereas if you do it yourself you don't have to communicate with anyone else. You know exactly what you want and it, it's not easy. It takes a long time and you're gonna have a lot of edits. Your computer might shut down in the middle of doing it and it's super obnoxious and you didn't have it saved and you have to start all over again from the beginning. Like that's happened to me with videos and articles and every, this is the side of content creation that no one really sees or talks about, but it's true. Um, but when you do it yourself, you're the creator. And you're, again, no one knows your audience better than you. And it gives you the opportunity to really give them the absolute best piece of content. I think more important than how much you're putting out, it's
0: how good the content you're putting out actually is. Yeah, I'm with you. That was a good answer. We smashed that. Question two, do do you track your client? And the, the question's very far away in this new setup we're on here. So I think I'm making this out correctly. Do you track your client's body fat percentage? No, no. And I don't track my body fat percentage either. I I also do not track my client's body fat percentage, nor do I track my own body fat percentage. Um, uh, One thing, one of the reasons I don't, because I used to, one of the reasons I don't is because it's incredibly hard to using any method It's incredibly hard for anyone to get an accurate body fat percentage, right? I mean, if, if you have someone who is genuinely extremely curious for whatever reason, maybe some, some people on the, you know, there's like, there's like a techie, almost nerdy, like interest in specific aspects of the human body, like, like that personality type often will go get a DEXA, but you're not going to have someone getting a, a biweekly or monthly DEXA, um, and other methods just aren't accurate enough to have benefit, uh, for me at least, right? Like y- you have people who might argue for, uh, the bioelectrical impedance method, just because it's so easy to s- step on a smart scale and, and get your body fat percentage there, even if it isn't super accurate in absolute terms. Um, And they'll just say, you know, do it every single day and it'll average out, which is true over months it will, but those methods are so influenced by uh, things like hydration that it, it isn't, it isn't accurate enough for me to want. And it isn't that useful for me when we can just take waist measurements and waist measurements are extremely correlated with fat gain and fat loss. Um, and So I get a, I get three measurements at various points on the waist, and that is the the main piece of data I use in addition to scale weight in assessing progress. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. I'll say
1: the the only way to truly get a hundred percent accurate body fat assessment is to get um, you know know, a uh, what's that thing called a DEXA scan.
0: Even that's not like the. Oh, I was, an you autopsy. Got to, you got to kill them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Autopsy is the only real way to get a truly accurate body fat percentage. But even then, like you get a DEXO, whatever, it's not 100% accurate. And I mean, if you're having your clients go get a DEXA skin in order to check their body fat, you're doing it wrong. It's like, that's ridiculous. Like, even a, a high level physique competitor doesn't need that. It's, it's just cool information to have if you're interested. Um, but the thing that I've noticed with with clients, it's hard enough for to get your clients to understand that your weight will fluctuate, right? And not just for them to understand it, but for them to not freak out when it does. Like to have the emotional and and, and like the the capacity to to internalize what a scale fluctuation means. But it's easier to get them to internalize that because anyone and everyone knows, well, your weight is more than just your fat. You know, it's also like your stomach content, your bone density, all that other stuff, right? When you get on the scale and they measure your body fat, they, in their mind, it's only measuring their body fat. And of course, that's what's going on in their mind because they're getting a literal body fat percentage test. So imagine you have a client from week one to week three, see their body fat goes up because they step on and it gets that reading. Well, they're going to freak out. Like why in, it's people freak out enough just on the scale. They're like, "Oh my god, the scale went up." It's and you can sort of calm them down and you can educate them and talk to them. But if they see their body fat went up, well, now you've got someone never mind the issues they're going to have mentally and emotionally, but you're also going to have issues cuz they're not going to trust you. Yeah. They're not going to, this isn't working. Maybe you calm them down, but in the back of their mind, they're going to be like, my body fat went up and they're telling me that there's, this is affected by hydration and stomach content and other things. But I don't know if I believe them because people will believe the stuff about the scale because it makes sense logically. But body fat is harder for people to really buy into that, even though it's true for me. Listen, I don't want you to step on one of those scales and I'll tell them why I'll explain all of this to them, but I don't have them measure their body fat because like you said, measurements are, are probably like realistically measurements are, are a better idea than the body fat scales because measurements, even though they do have their own margin of error, just in terms of it's like essentially impossible to measure the exact same spot every single time, but you probably get a better idea on a week to be week to week basis from measurements than you do from stepping on one of those
0: body fat scales. Yeah. Yep. Number three. I got to move a little closer to this. What do you do? If, oh, I like this. What do you do if you feel overwhelmed? I don't know what to do next to scale my business. Um, this The reason I picked this question is because I felt like this the other day and not about scaling a business, but literally about a a massive to-do list of, of work, just a lot of things. And, uh, and something that I, that I reminded myself of is in, in this, this applies, this applies in a lot of situations. And like, if, if you've ever had racing thoughts, or if you've ever felt like you were unable to focus on something, um, this might be something that you can relate to you can only do one thing. Like even if you're the best multitasker in the world, you're going to be better only doing one thing at a time. And so if you're, th- that that sense of overwhelm is often coming from an inability to just pick one thing and focus on it. I need to be on Instagram, but I also need to be on TikTok, but I also need to be like running paid ads, but I also need to be, uh, you know, commenting in Facebook groups, but I also like you can't do all of that at the same time. So if you want to make a list of everything you feel like you should be doing or want to be doing that makes sense, and then put a one, I mean, it, what I'll do on a daily to-do list is order them. So I'll, I'll put them in the order that I want to do them. And sometimes I'll put little times by like estimated how long it'll take. And then it's just only think about one of those things. And and another little trick that also works is if you can't even do that, then give yourself the permission. And this sounds weird, but give yourself the permission to do nothing for the rest of the day. I don't care if it's nine o'clock in the morning, be like, you know what? I'm going to play video games the rest of the day. I'm going to go lay in the sun the rest of the day. I'll get back at it tomorrow. Within 15 minutes of playing that video game, there's a very, very good chance that you feel a surge of like, okay, you know what? I actually do like, I'm going to start on this. I'm going to reply to these long emails that have been outstanding for a while or whatever it is, but giving yourself that like permission to just chill often gives you motivation or whatever, like, uh, intention back towards doing something on that list. Yeah. I like that. I would
1: say, um, Another thing I've noticed in terms of overwhelm and it goes along with what you were saying is a lot of times you get overwhelmed because you're comparing yourself to other people. So you it's it's I think what you said is, is hundred percent accurate. You get overwhelmed because there's so many things to do and you don't know what to start with. So like, and you can't do all of it at once. I think also that will come from comparison being like, oh, well they're on TikTok, and they're on Instagram and they're on YouTube and they put out this many pieces of content and I'm not doing that. And I don't know where to start. Which one should I begin with? I know they talk about doing long form articles, but I don't even have a website yet. I don't know where to start. What do I do? It's like, relax. Number one, number two is comparing yourself to and this is such a cliche thing it's just, I hate cliche sayings I really hate cliche and this is a whole separate topic Why? we could talk I hate cliche sayings they are they're obnoxious to me they're usually it's, the most true things they're they're true but they're obnoxious for me to use in content I try to stay away from cliche sayings in content as much as possible because They're so predictable, right? When you say like, oh, comparison's the thief of joy. It's like, all right, we fucking know what you're about to say. And like, even though it's true, like no one is hearing comparison to the thief of joy and being like, yes. Yes, it's like we know it's true. So for me, that's why whenever I write or make content, I try and take the message from that cliche saying and change the cliche saying. I I, I try and make a different saying that no one's ever heard before. That way, I can still get the message across without saying comparisons to the thief of joy. It's like yeah, we all heard that. Shut up, Jordan. Uh,
0: <laughs> and 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 you're probably also giving some people a new way to think about it. Yeah. Or or yeah. maybe maybe that message didn't hit for someone else, but yours does. For for me, it's
1: like. Getting people to really pay attention to your content, it's difficult, right? There's so many pieces of content out there. There's so many creators. There's so much good content. Well, I think for me, the easiest way to make sure people don't pay attention to your content is to be boring and to say the same thing that people already know. So yeah. that's why I don't like cliche sayings. And I'll just make up my own with the same message. But back to the original point, I'm all over the place, man. Back to the, back to the original point, which is if you're comparing yourself to someone else, you're setting yourself up for failure and you're setting yourself up for overwhelm. Um, and
0: your joy is being stolen.
1: <laughs> I've never heard that one before. That was good. And yeah, the joy makes, is being <laughs> <laughs> You should tweet that. Comparison is stealing your joy. <laughs> <laughs> and like quote, Mike McConaughey. Um, It can actually comparison can work in your favor, but if it's leading to overwhelm, if it's causing you to, to have paralysis by analysis, then it's, it's doing, you no no benefit. And you have to be really aware of that. And I think what you said, which is focus on one thing, pick one thing and do it. That's really, that's really like the, the take home here, right? Where if, if you're a coach telling people on social media or telling your clients, listen, just get more steps in, or listen, just drink more water what you're telling them to do is just focus on one thing and be better at that one thing. So you have to take the same advice you would give yourself, right? It's like focus on one thing. And you know telling your clients to just drink more water, that's not going to all of a sudden help them lose 75 pounds and have 6% body fat. You understand that. But you do know that having them drink more water is probably going to help them Number one, stay more full, stay more hydrated, feel better about themselves. It's gonna get them on track to doing one habit at a time that will then lead to another habit, to another habit, to another habit. So if you don't expect your clients to all of a sudden track their calories, track their macros, go to the gym six times a week, get 10,000 steps in a day, get eight eight hours of sleep every night. If you don't expect them to do all of that at once, then you probably shouldn't expect yourself to be on every single social media platform multiple times a week over and over and over again. Like Pick one at a time and then over, over the course of three, four, five, six, seven years, you will now have systems in place to help you be on every platform. But if you're expecting to be on every platform right away, you're You're in for a very, very rude awakening.
0: Or or even absolutely, yes. But like there are a lot of very successful people in in many, many industries who are on one or two platforms, including the fitness industry. Like not only do you not need to be everywhere today, but you might not need to be everywhere ever. But you can cross that bridge when you come to it, because you can't be everywhere today. So start by being somewhere today. And you know the first guy who comes to my mind like that. Uh, let's guess. Let's play a guessing game. Um, my, my mind was Nate Green and Pat Flynn. Wow, same concept
1: because they're email focused, but different person.
0: Mm. I and like fitness? that.
1: You a lot of fitness people. This will give you to tell exactly. A lot of fitness people steal his content, <laughs> especially lately. Martin Burkhan? No, no, no.
0: James oh, Clear. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew. You. Okay. They, yep. They, yep. T-
1: they take his content. And they're
0: like, oh yeah, I've been reading books lately. <laughs> Atomic Habits. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but they don't even say that. <laughs> just like there was this interesting study where if you replace a bottle of Coca Cola with a bottle of water, seventy four percent fewer people. Like, like, yep. I just picked that up. Uh, just picked that up today myself.
1: I was, I was in just researchers are bad
0: found that myself.
1: But um, James Clear, um, he dominates email, like mm-hmm. dominates email. His email is just incredible in the same way that Pat Flynn and Nate Green and like, which is interesting that, cause I didn't think you were going to go with email. I thought you were going to pick something like YouTube or Instagram, but I'm glad that you picked email because it's one of those things where no one, unless you are speaking with someone and they, Outright tell you how many email subscribers they have and what their open rates are. You have no idea. It's like you could be sitting next to someone in a coffee shop who has five hundred thousand email subscribers and just is crushing it, but you have no idea because maybe their Instagram has four hundred followers, and you have no idea. That's one of the things I love about email is like it's so it can be so anonymous if you want it to, but. There's so much benefit to being a specialist on one platform. There's also tremendous risk, especially if that platform is a social media platform like Instagram or Facebook, right? Because they really control the algorithm. They control how many people will see your posts. But something like your email list, you you own it and and they're going to get the email no matter what. Also, something like your website, I vividly remember... Martin Birkin's website, like I would go to his website every day to see if he published a new article. Like I wasn't even on an email list. It was just, I knew every time I read one of his articles, I was going to love it and learn a lot. So I would go to his website. So I think just dominating one platform, just being the best or one of the best on a single platform is way better than being eh okay on a bunch of platforms.
0: Yeah. And you become you become dominant or the best by making one piece of content there and then making two and you know yeah we've seen this in the mentorship we've
1: seen a bunch of cuz we have all these challenges in the mentorship and and certain challenges we say focus on this one platform for this one month the number of people in the mentorship that we've seen go viral and grow massive audiences on TikTok or Instagram whatever is insane mm-hmm. it's uh it, it really pick one if you're overwhelmed pick one thing to focus on i know the the question also spoke about scaling your business I really think most people are, are way too worried about scaling their business. I think people think about it way too much it, It's like the cool thing to talk about how are you, how are you scaling your business Michael it's like you're you're stop stop it your people focusing on scaling their business is sort of like people. I'm trying to think of a good fitness analogy. Like people worrying about scaling their business are like people who are just getting into fitness and they're like super concerned about like their, their carb to fat ratio. And like, they're really trying to dig in deep to be like, all right, well I really want to make sure I'm getting the right types of, 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 uh, I want to make sure I'm like, my, my. no, it's not even carbs to fat ratio. I'd say it's more like making sure that you're looking at like your beta carotene and like, you're looking at all of your nutrients, trying to balance to make sure that your vitamins and minerals are on point. It's like, all right. Unless you're living in a third world country, you're you're good.
0: Or someone who who can't, you know, they're half squatting because they haven't learned to properly barbell back squat yet. They need chains and bands and like all kinds of crazy apparatuses. Yeah, scaling your business is something that
1: it it comes with time. It it, it really or or it,
0: or it doesn't because you don't ha- like. Yeah, There are so I'm many, especially that. in the fitness industry and especially with personal training, you can be a one man or a one woman show and build a, a very successful business that helps a lot of people that brings in a substantial amount of money for you and or your family to have a very good living. Yeah. Right. Like if we just run the numbers, you know, charging $200 or $300 a month and coaching people online by yourself and doing, doing everything, doing content by yourself, you can do extremely well. So when I, when I hear scaling, I think, I think like going from like the, you know, couple hundred thousand ish to, like a million to 10 million like like that kind of revenue goals and i r- right now at this point in my life i don't have ambition to like have a 20 person company that does 10 million in revenue that's yeah. that do- that doesn't interest me right you it's not scaling to to get 30 40 50 online coaching clients that's just continually <laughs> doing the thing for a few years or or even like 3 to 5 years in a row but it's not scaling how many clients would you need at two hundred dollars a month to be in
1: the six figures category?
0: Put me on the spot with math. Well, wanna... I'm not good with math. I know. Well, you got well, this. Well, six six figures. I mean, eight thousand a month is ninety six thousand. So, eight thousand a month is what forty clients at two hundred a month. So, probably got to it. get a hundred thousand forty to forty five clients. Yeah. So forty five clients at two hundred a month.
1: That's if you work hard for two to three years, that's gonna happen. Like that's yeah. just, it really is. 30 clients at 300 a month, yep. Yeah, so so I mean, I think I, when I think people, when people hear scale, I think a lot of the people, when they use scaling, I think what they think is, oh, I wanna make a lot of money and not work very hard. <laughs> I think that's what most people think. I wanna scale my business. Cause I read one time in an internet article or on someone's Instagram post that you could make six figures a month and not work hard. And that's what, and they, all they said is you just have to scale your business. I think that's where most people's mind goes. This That's bullshit. That's nonsense. Number one. Number two is, um, man, I just had a huge brain fart. Just like, poof, compl- the number two is this, is Man, I tried to pick up
0: where I left off. It like, all right, man, I'm going to go back hard. Selfishly, um, selfishly, I'm okay with this because I feel like I've had the last seven brain farts over the last three months and you haven't had any. So the, I always brain fart. I'm trying to think about, this is really important. So scaling, we're on the topic
1: of scaling. People are, all right, they think it doesn't mean work, do any work, da, da, da. Um, man, this was such a good piece of information that I was about to just let flow out of my mouth and then it just brain farted right out of my ears. It'll come. That's what she said. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, this is what I was going to say. This is why I hate it when personal trainers on social media call themselves entrepreneurs. It really bugs me. And it's because they're being like, I'm an entrepreneur. I have my own business. And what they do is they start to take on this identity of what they think an entrepreneur is. And they think that an entrepreneur should be scaling their business. And they think that an entrepreneur should be getting a 20, 25, 30 person team. And they think that an entrepreneur should all of a sudden be giving out like business advice and finance advice and talking about scaling and systems and da da da. It's like, you are a personal trainer period. That's it. Like you, I'm a personal trainer. That's all I am. I am a personal trainer. That's all I am. You're a personal trainer. You help people with their fitness goals. Ideally you're there as a support system for them. You help them eat better. You help them work out. You help them be more consistent. Maybe you help them with their habits. You're a personal trainer. You're not a fucking entrepreneur. So stop calling yourself an entrepreneur in your Instagram stories and on your on your Instagram posts and to, like your friends and family. You're not. You're not an entrepreneur. You're a personal trainer. And you should be proud of that because it's a really great profession that helps a lot of people. And the more you start identifying as a personal trainer and not an entrepreneur, well, now the more your content is going to be focused on helping people. And now your business is less focused on scaling before you have two clients and more focused on actually helping people and really building up a sustainable business that helps people and is great for you and your family and for everyone in the industry. Mike drop mic drop.
0: I'm glad you got that one back. Yeah, me too. That would have been a bad <laughs> brain fart to lose. <laughs> Did you have a phase at any point during your three years with Gary? Yes. Or- <laughs> okay, yes. Right, me, me too. <laughs> Actually even before Gary, but yeah. yeah oh
1: yeah. Mike was going to ask if I had a phase where I thought I was an entrepreneur and uh, I thought I yes. was an
0: entrepreneur. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, there, And that's why I can come at it so hard because I'm, I'm also talking to my, my younger self. Yeah. Your former yeah you self, idiot. Yeah what are yeah. you doing? Like, I bet if you scroll back on some of my old Instagram posts or Facebook posts, you'll see some entrepreneurial type posts that I just, I won't delete them because I think it's important to to look back and keep everything there. And it's, it's always cool and important to watch your journey. But yeah, I mean, I think that's a part of my past and Possibly a part of, depending on who you are, your present, whoever you're listening, it could be part of your present where like, you're identifying as an entrepreneur because of what you think you need to be, when in reality, it's like you're a personal trainer. And that is a wonderful job. It's why you're listening to this podcast. It's because you care about your clients and because you care about helping people get better results and you care about being a better coach and a better personal trainer. So you don't need to tell all of your followers on social media that you're an entrepreneur because you should be more proud of what you actually are, which is a coach.
0: Yeah. And I mean, people can cross this bridge for themselves when they get there, but if you get to the point where your plate is too full and you want to scale and you want to, to grow, uh, grow the business into being something bigger than just you coaching people, then give it a shot. But keep in mind that coaching people in person and or online is very different than being a CEO who manages employees Yeah. That's exactly right. Like right. That, that's something that I realized for myself multiple times and re-realized these lessons. <laughs> is it's it's very different. Like managing employees and delegating is a different skill set and and just less fun for me. But it's just it's completely different than coaching people. Yeah, and I like coaching people. That that's one of the things where I mean
1: one example could be in a gym maybe you get promoted to business to to manager right well I, one of my best friends I should, he's not one of my best friends I haven't spoken to him in a long time but previously one who's a great friend I respect him um really in boston we were coaches together in boston amazing amazing guy i love it. he's actually incredible at jujitsu jitsu too he just has that like caveman strength. Like he is one of the, he's one of those guys where you look at his forearms and they look like baseball bats. You're like, what the hell is this? But he, he was a wonderful personal trainer. He got promoted to manager at Boston sports club. And at first he was really excited. Cool. I'm going to get paid more. I'm a, I'm a manager. And he hated it. And it caused him to leave the industry. He is like, screw this. He's like, I'm managing people and they're making me focus on sales as opposed to actually helping and coaching people. Um, you could, the same thing could happen online, right? It's like, it's people, I get the question all the time. Do I still coach people in person? Yeah, I do. Like I have people come to my apartment and I coach them for free. Like whether it's athletes from my jujitsu school, they come over, we train, whether it's friends when my buddy, David, he's, he comes over and I train him for free. It's like, I I'm a coach. I, I like coaching people. I like, I like doing that. If you love being a coach, then I would be very wary of anybody who's trying to sell you on being an entrepreneur. And there's nothing wrong with being an entrepreneur, but for whatever it's worth, even Gary talks about this all the time. Gary is like, He's like, being an entrepreneur didn't used to be cool. He's like, being an entrepreneur meant you were sort of a failure. He's like, only recently has being an entrepreneur become cool. And and I think he's even taken responsibility. He'd be like, I feel like I sort of used to give out this impression that being an entrepreneur is easy, which is why now he goes so hard on showing the truth about what it's like, which is so difficult. Like, there, it's, re- it's not coaching. When you're managing other people, you're not a coach anymore. You, you're, it's, you're a business manager. So- I would take pride in being a coach. Yeah, absolutely. That was a great episode. That was really good. It's so funny. I was thinking about at the beginning when you were like, yeah, at the end of this episode, you're going to feel so good. And I was like, yeah, I feel (laughs) so good right now. I'm like, man, part of me just like, let's keep
0: going. But I know like maybe it's coming to the point where you're like, all right, well, that was good. (laughs) That was a good one. That was a lot of good energy. That was a lot of good information. That was, that was, I thought that was a great episode. I actually still feel good um we'll end on a high note though
1: well rather than we'll end (laughs) on a high note this has been a wonderful wonderful episode uh is there any messages or any things that we want people to whether it's message us email us is there anything that that we need to say
0: you know uh for the timing of this when it gets released for those in in the u.s wishing you a happy thanksgiving um we always love five star reviews you know always we're, love we're not opposed, not opposed to begging for those we really like reading them too for those so many people have said so many nice things with the five star reviews and that that is extremely fulfilling i think that's all i have i I've, I've made a lot of promises about pumping out weekly episodes the rest of the year and you know last week we didn't have an episode that's on me that's on me guys I think that's all I have as far as logistics goes. Do you have anything? Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, If you're
1: celebrating, uh, if you're not celebrating, have a wonderful Thursday. And um, I would say if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer, make sure you either email us. Mike, do you want to give out what email we should send it to?
0: Yeah, you can email me at Mike at on the regimen, o n t h e r-e-g-i-m-e-n on the regimen.com And uh, yeah, whatever, if you want to hear us talk about anything or answer any specific questions here on the podcast, please do email me and I will compile that on our list because we would, you know, we love getting these questions and, and answering them for everyone. So please do. Yeah. So that's it.
1: Have a wonderful holiday. Enjoy every moment to the fullest. And we will talk to you next week.
0: Bye everyone.